your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hello, welcome to the Culture Matters Interview Podcast. We are on episode number 60, and this week we have Jeroen Ketting. And Jeroen Ketting is a Dutch business advisor, author, and speaker who has helped hundreds of companies succeed in the challenging Russian market. His thought leadership and contribution to the public debate have made him a sought-after expert on Russia for both governments and media. Ketting's extensive Russian network experience and practical advice are invaluable for companies looking to do business in Russia. The interview is really practical and I would urge you almost to listen all the way to the end because his tips also make super, super sense. And also when he talks about the um, the typical differences that we in the Western world, and I'm only talking about the Western world, tend to, to underestimate when doing business with the Russians and doing business in Russia. Here is Jeroen Ketting. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Jeroen, or good morning, Jeroen. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> Overwhelming question, just like that, early in, mo- early in the morning, right? Yeah, yeah, you kick it off hard. Yes, I know. It's going to be tougher from, uh, from this, uh, this <laughs> side on, or easier on, depending on which, on, uh, which way the wind actually blows. Yeah. Um, Jeroen, I'm going to keep it just with the, with the Dutch uh, pronunciation of your first name, and uh, that just makes it easier. This is something we actually discussed as well prior to recording, which is easier for both of us, because you are a Dutchman, but you are in a, uh, for me, remote place, although it's, you're not physically that far away. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Where you are right now? And what is your so-called cultural frame of reference? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, actually, it's it's not so remote uh, because I'm only a three-hour flight away from most European uh, capitals. Uh-huh. Um, it means that I'm I'm located now in uh, in Moscow. On the other hand, Russia is such a big country that if you would fly to the eastern side of the country, uh, you would easily be ten, eleven, or twelve hours away from mm-hmm. most European capitals. But uh, but I'm on the good side. I'm on, I'm on the western and, and European side of, of Russia. I have been here since 1994. Um, I was 23 years old when I came here. Uh, I was a student at the time at, uh, at a law faculty in, in Leiden in the Netherlands. And I decided to just have a look uh, what Russia is all about. Uh, it was just, uh, let's say, really an unfounded sort of general interest I had in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I traveled through the country by train for a couple of weeks as students do because students have no money. And yeah. I was an exception to that rule and uh, learned a little bit of the language, the alphabet and some words. And then actually when I came back to Holland after that trip, uh, I immediately got a, well, let's say, a small job offer to open up the office of a, of a small Dutch company in, uh, in Moscow. Mm-hmm. So I immediately went back, <clears throat> still in 94. And um, at that time, I thought I would be there for maybe, you know, one year or two years. Uh, but... Uh, but today I woke up and understood that I've been in Russia already for 22 years. <laughs> so it's half my life because I'm 44 years old at this, uh, this point of time. And yeah, it's difficult to say now actually what is uh, my, my cultural frame of reference. Because of course I'm a European, I'm a, I'm a Dutchman, 
uh, without any doubt. Uh, I don't really believe that that that, especially when you've lived the first twenty two years in a country that you that you ever lose, mm-hmm. let's say that that uh, cultural imprint that you get in uh, in, yeah. in formative years of uh, of your youth. But um, yeah, I've also lived for twenty two years now in uh, in Russia, and it also has uh, uh, yeah imprinted me in a certain sense. I Although yeah. I would say that. In a country like, in specific countries like Russia, probably also China, um, maybe some African countries that are really, let's say, different from the from let's say the overall Western culture. I think you need to have already some affinity mm. with that uh, for us uh, foreign culture yeah. uh, if you want to be able to be, um, let's say, effective and, and just to have a happy. And um, uh, and pleasant life in yeah. in such a foreign country. Yeah, to survive and thrive. To survive and and, and thrive. And in in my case, um, I guess it was that you know I, I what what I missed in in the Netherlands I found in in Russia. And it's a bit um, what are these things? It's the the extremes that you have in uh, in Russia. The fact that no matter what you say about Russia, the opposite is always true as well. Uh-huh. Um, you have, although you wouldn't say it if you think about Russia from a political perspective, but you have an immense personal freedom in uh, in Russia. Um, French friendships and and relationships, human relationships between people, um, are really unconditional. Uh, so there's this really deep loyalty among friends and, uh, and and among family, which is also something that 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 I miss, let's say, in northwestern Europe. So there were a number of aspects to Russia that 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 immediately made me feel partly at home. So uh, you, you, to some extent, you were non-Dutch. Like I mean, you said earlier on, indeed, in in your formative years. You you will never lose that if you spend long enough, like yourself, in, in 24 years in the Netherlands. You know you're never going to be undutched, if that's any word. Mm-hmm. Um, but you must have been receptive, as you say, to other cultures. So you might have been the odd one out in the Netherlands in any case, if you would have stayed. Absolutely, and 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 even now after 22 years in Russia, um, you know I don't think I will return to the Netherlands soon. I love to be back in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I love to, 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 you know, to sit on my bike in the city of Harlem and, and, and do some shopping or go to the market, uh, be able to breathe fresh air, drink water from the faucet, uh, these simple pleasures of life yeah. Yeah. That, that you don't have in, in a megapolis like, uh, like, like Moscow. But to live in the Netherlands would be, uh, would be difficult for me. I, think I can imagine. Now, you, you've, you've spent the last 22 years, which is half of your life, you just mentioned, half of your life. So next year, you're more outside of the country than inside the country, yeah. the, country the Netherlands as such as a country. Um, mm-hmm. it, out of all places in the world, why did you pick Russia? You could have gone everywhere as a student, not knowing what the world would look like. Yes, um, uh, indeed. And and I think it, it, it was based, you know, sometimes in life you have to sort of go where let's say your internal wind blows you, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know anything about Russia. I don't have any roots in Russia. I don't have any family members or I don't have any um, predecessors that, uh, that, that, that that ever were in Russia. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was, um, you know, in my youth, I love to watch these John Wayne movies. And, uh, and to me, Russia had sort of a sense like the only 
place in the world where you could still sort of have the, the John Wayne atmosphere. So it was it was it was a totally unfounded, over romanticized picture that I had of Russia. Yeah. But in the end, it it sort of turned out to be um, the correct picture that I had, and in the end, the motivation why I went to Russia turned out to be right. And one of the things that I often tell uh, my clients that are Western companies doing business in Russia is that you know the, the first key to having success in, in, in living and working in Russia is that you have to have a certain affinity um, yep. in the country. You have to have a certain feeling for the place. Yes, yes, no doubt. And that sort of was an internal, I like the way you phrased that. It's an, the internal wind sort of blew you that direction. Yes. Yeah, very nicely put. But yeah, this is this is the Culture Matters podcast, and we tend to sort of look at the business side of, of life as well, but other aspects as well. And one of the life aspects, we're going to move into this this business thing that you do in in Russia, being a Dutchman, and helping other companies with uh, actually uh, getting a, a foot in the door in in the Russian market. But still, this the life thing that and I, every time I see some either an old documentary um, about Russia or the news from Russia, I always get this cold feeling. How do you deal with the Russian winters, June? <laughs> Well, you know, the, the, the funny thing is when a Russia, when it's minus 20 in Russia. Centigrade and, uh, we're talking about here. Centigrade we're talking about, yes. Or even, you know, I've had, the coldest I've had here is minus 48. And that's really, that's really fresh. <laughs> and, uh, but when Russians come to, especially Northwestern Europe, yeah. where, you know, you have this, this water cold, you know, it can be plus two and it can be humid and windy. Mm-hmm. Russians feel, um, you know, that it's, it's colder in Europe very often than it is with minus 20 in uh, in Russia. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, you have almost half a year of winter. Uh, you get used to it. Somehow you, you know, the, 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 your car is warm, the apartments are warm, you dress warmly. Um, so you, you, you get used to, you get used to it. If it's minus 20, it's usually the air is fresh. Mm-hmm. The roads are clean and dry. Um, the sky is blue, so it's uh, it's not so bad. What is the what is the worst thing, I guess, for or the most difficult thing for most foreigners in Russia is actually that the days are very short yep. in Russia during winter time. So you you know it's 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 uh, sunrise maybe at nine thirty uh, ten o'clock, especially if you're in Saint Petersburg. Yep. And three o'clock in the afternoon, it's dark again. Yeah. And that that sort of, if you have two, three months like that, that sort of gets to you. So that's, it's not so much the cold, it's not so much the snow, um, but it's more these, these, yeah, these, these short, uh, the short daylight. The winter blues. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I can remember, uh, if I can share a story of my own, uh, being in, in Moscow, one of my very first times in, in Russia. And I was with an Italian colleague who turned out later to be a friend as well. And the Italians have a different climate than the Russians do. So this guy came to Russia and we, he flew from Rome. I flew from Amsterdam at that time. And we found, we, we met actually at the, uh, the Red Square. We being part of work and part tourists as well. And he was dressed Italian style in a thin winter coat. And this was February. Mm-hmm. And, um, he doesn't have much hair. In other words, he's bald. And uh, he wasn't wearing any hat or anything like that. And we strolled around for, for I don't know, say 10, 15 minutes or something. And then he sort of looked at me and he said, it's getting a bit cold here. And I have actually had to support him because it was about to faint. It just got yeah. to him within 10, 15 minutes, all this cold. And, yeah. and so we rushed inside indeed. And, and we had some some good genuine uh, Russian vodka. We were fine mm-hmm. afterwards. But it, indeed, it's it's you have to dress up really warm, I guess. 
You, you have to. But on the other hand, you know, it's, it's I guess, you know, large parts of Canada, uh, definitely Alaska, it's, oh, yeah. uh, it's, the same, it's the same kind of temperature. Uh, in the north of most Scandinavian countries, it's, uh, it's the same thing. So it's not... Uh, it's not such a big deal. The, the thing is that you may have lots and lots of snow, and then and if it's not so cold, but if it's only minus five or minus six, then you get a lot of mud, you get a lot of sludge, then the whole city is is dirty, and that's actually the most problematic thing. When everything is minus twenty and white, and the snow's crackling under your feet, you know you don't have a worry in the world. But when you when you're knee deep in a sludge, that's a, that's a different story. Yes, absolutely. All right, so we've covered the winter, and that makes me gives me a warm feeling um, mm-hmm. as as well. And uh, there's something that I have been meaning to ask, also with in in the back of my mind, knowing that the fifty um, percent of the audience are are in North America, which is Canada and the United States, and they and something that is on my mind as well. From a business perspective, are we back to some sort of Cold War situation between Russia and the West without this so-called arms race? What do you, what's your perspective on that? Well, I mean, um, I wouldn't say from a business perspective. Obviously, from a from a political perspective, there is a lot of tension now between between the West, uh, if we can call it like that in general, and uh, and Russia. Mm-hmm. But if you if you talk to the Russian on the street and if you talk to the Russian businessman, mm-hmm. um, then basically they very well know how to separate politics from business or from personal relationships. Uh-huh. So now, since let's say. Early 2014, when we when we had Crimea, when we had um, Ukraine, when we had the, uh, the 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 airplane that was so unfortunately shot down, yeah. um, you know, of course the, the whole political climate started to deteriorate. But I can, I've all this time I've continued living obviously in uh, in Russia, and I've never noticed any negative um, attitudes towards me as an individual or towards me as a as a business person. On the other hand. The sanction regime and the Russian boycott, uh, which is the answer to the Western sanction regime, it makes business more more difficult. A number of our clients are in the oil and gas sphere, yeah. and they're you know we're very limited in what we can uh, can actually do. And you also see that Russian companies, you know, they start to look at at, at Chinese suppliers instead of U.S. Or, or or European suppliers, just because they sort of feel left out in the cold. By, um, by by Europe and the US. Okay, so it is it is hurting business on both sides, actually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the the, uh, the trade turnover between uh, the European Union and Russia has dropped with about forty percent in the last two years. That's, that's um, significant. Yeah, trade trade between the US and Russia. If you compare it with the trade volumes between the EU and Russia, then then trade uh, from the US with Russia is is negligible. So it it it, it didn't really have such a uh, large impact. Okay, all right. In in the introduction, we heard that that what what your business is is that you help companies. Um, as you said yourself, in the challenging Russian market, what is the biggest challenge that companies are facing? Maybe, maybe not per se on these current conditions, but in general, when life would be maybe more normal. Well, I think the biggest difference is that when Western companies or Western people, when they look, for example, at China, mm-hmm. and when they are in China, they sort of look at it as if it is, you know, the planet Mars. Um, you know, you you cannot make head nor tails from the from the language. The food is different. The sounds are different. Uh, yes, yeah. the smells are different. So everything really uh, is totally different. And from China, we accept 
everything that's foreign. We just, you know, we, 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 we notice it and we accept it and we let it go. Mm-hmm. When we look at Russia, you know, more or less if you, I mean, Russian language, uh, if you know the alphabet, it's very c- close to uh, to our Western language. A car is a machine, yeah, so machine. Mm-hmm. Um, metro's metro, taxi's taxi, uh, a restaurant is a restaurant. So, for example, language-wise, it's very close. If you look at the Russian people, then uh, also they don't look that different. The food is more or less the same. The, the, the classical music, ballet, opera, um, uh, the arts, we share that yeah, between, uh, between, between the West and, and Russia. So that makes us think that Russia is like Europe or Russia is like the West. And as a consequence, we think that, okay, if Russia is like Europe, they should uh, behave like Europe. Mm-hmm. And that's the big mistake that we make. Russia is not Asia. It's not Europe. Russia is, is, is a very specific Slavonic Eurasian country with a very particular identity, a very particular history and a very particular culture. And the biggest mistake Western companies make is to underestimate the uh, particular character of Russia and, and Russians. So, so they're underestimating the, the, the actual differences between them and the Russians. Yes, we, we look at Russia as one of the countries that we know and where we expect everything um, uh, to go as we uh, as we are used to. And uh, we, we make a lot of assumptions, even in the, if you look at politics, we make a lot of assumptions about Russia and we base our actions on those assumptions. Well, here in, in, in our office, you know, we have this big slogan on the wall um, where we say that um, assumption is the mother of all mess ups. And then, you know, mess up is the nice term for what is actually on the wall. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, we don't, you shouldn't assume with regard to Russia. You should make sure that you really know things for a fact, that you really understand Russia. And then based upon that knowledge and understanding, you should move forward. So the assumption that a lot of Western companies make, if we stick to the Western companies, is that the Russians, they the look and feel sort of tends to be somewhat comparable. So hence, you must be the same as well. And then they, they, they find out that they're not. So what are those biggest differences? Can you identify like three or something or maybe 10? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, so, for example, in in business, um, in the Western world, we are much more used to formal relationships uh, between businesses, between business people, between stakeholders and so on. In Russia, everything is about trust and personal relationships. Yeah. If you don't have that trust, if you don't have that personal relationship, then um, you cannot really do effective business. On the other hand... Even if you understand that, then the next mistake that Westerners often make is that they think that the trust and the personal relationship is a guarantee that a business will go well, mm-hmm. um, which is on the other hand, which is not the case. So on one hand, you need the trust and the personal relationship in order sort of to open the door to doing business in Russia. Yeah. But once you're through that door, you still need to uh, sort of you know, be careful and you need to to pay attention because it doesn't mean when you have a good relationship. Uh, personally with a person that 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 also directly reflects on your on your business relationship so that is one thing the other thing is that russia consists of informal networks Mm -hmm. whereas in the west we have 
much more formal networks. We have a civil society, we have all kinds of institutes, we have um, uh, uh, public uh, institutes that, 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 that we use and that we can rely on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russian doesn't do that. A Russian has sort of a microcosmos in which he lives. Uh, it's almost a little bit like the idea of a clan. So what, what, what happens in that microcosmos or, or what does it microcosmos consist of? It consists of your, of your family, of your close friends, of let's say the colleagues with, with whom you've worked for years. Uh, and everything you do in Russia, you, you solve it inside that microcosmos. Whether you need to re-register your car or whether you need to find a new office or whether you need to find um, a new staff member mm-hmm. the first thing, or whether you need to find a doctor, the first thing you do is you ask uh, the people inside your microcosmos and you make sure that you're referred to whatever you need. In the West, we have much less of that, that interpersonal cohesion. We are much more used to functioning based upon, let's say, uh, the, the organizational structures and the institutes that we have in, uh, in society. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's, uh, that's another difference. Then the next difference is that because of that microcosmos, Russians really feel responsibility only to the people that are inside that microcosmos. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the West, and of course you cannot take the West. Huh? I mean, the Netherlands is totally different from uh, from Spain. But let's let's sort of generalize a little bit. Yeah. In the West, we have first of all um, this sense of responsibility towards society. Mm-hmm. To to give a very simple example uh, of the family structure in Russia, people would never put their aged parents in uh, in an old folks home. They're yeah. in a retirement home. They take care of their uh, of their aged parents. On the other hand, the aged parents, maybe uh, grandfather and grandmother, they take care of the grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people support each other. Each other when um, just you know starting a starting professional, someone who works who's uh, 23, 24, 25, when he loses uh, loses his job, and he can go home and 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 be sure that that his family takes uh, takes care of him. Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I have here in my office, most of the Russians, they send part of their paycheck to their to their parents mm-hmm. if they are on a pension already. Yeah. Um, whereas in 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 large parts of Western Europe or the West or the U.S. as well, you know, we wouldn't really do that. We we don't naturally take care of our brothers, our sisters, uh, or our our parents yeah. uh, because we have again we have these institutes in society that take uh, that take care uh, of that. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a big difference um, as well. Without, without giving everything away <laughs> that you know, uh, uh, Jeroen, it's um, uh, th- these are really excellent examples. Relationship, you say, informal networks, and people are only tend to be responsible within their own circle, or you call them the microcosmos, and and they, it's not that they don't care about the others, but the, but the, their inner circle tends to be a lot more important than their outer circle. Okay. Yeah, it's, um, it's, are there, could you, can you identify with the, with the years of experience that you have? Are there cultures that have more difficult dealing with the Russians? And are there cultures slash countries? I mean, this is like an interchangeable word in a way. Are there countries that, that tend to be, uh, tend to ha- have less of an issue with dealing with the Russians? Well, I think um, you mentioned the the example of your of, of being with your Itali- Italian friend in yeah. in Moscow. Italians have always been pretty good in um, in doing business in Russia because for them they have much more this 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 
microcosmos as well, this clan-like system. They have much more, uh, they base themselves much more on, on informal networks than, for example, Scandinavian or Northwest European mm-hmm. uh, countries. Um, so in a certain sense, you know, the, 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 the Greeks, the, the Italians, um, they do quite effective business in, uh, in Russia. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, take the Germans, who are much more, you know, formal, yeah. who have less, um, uh, let's say, interpersonal cohesion uh, and who are much more responsible towards society, for example. Yeah. You know, they are so thorough and they are so well known for their quality in Russia yeah. that, um, and they're sort of, yeah, the, the, the Russians have sort of a stereotype on Germans that, that they accept the German to be as uh, as, as he is. Yeah. Um, the Belgians and the Dutch, uh, they're fairly effective as well because they're sort of, they're, they're relatively non-confrontational. Mm. Yeah, so so the Belgians and the, and, and the Dutch, they sort of know how to, um, yeah, how to adapt. Uh, they're used to because they're small countries in any case. So they're fairly effective as, uh, as well. I would say that, for example, for Japanese, it's quite difficult to uh, to work in uh, in Russia because they have uh, pretty rigid corporate structures. They have rules. They have very strict um, uh, authority uh, and so on. So for 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 Japanese, it will be more difficult to work in uh, in Russia. But still, I would say if 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 I have to look at at let's say my twenty two years of uh, assisting Western companies in Russia, it it finally all depends on the on the individual, and you have the person, yeah. the people who have the affinity with Russia, uh, and the people who don't. And if I meet a person, whatever country he's from, that doesn't have the affinity, I usually advise them, okay, you know, take Brazil as a market, and but stay out of uh, stay out of Russia. And and why do I use Brazil as a uh, as an example? It's because the the former Brazilian president Cardoso said. Um, uh, Brazil uh, uma Rússia tropical. So <laughs> Brazil is a tropical uh, tropical Russia, uh-huh. and in a certain sense, we have a lot of Brazilian clients. By the way, in a certain sense, that's uh, that's 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 fairly fairly correct. Mm-hmm. Is it is it? You said if they don't have that affinity, how do you establish that? Is it something? You, is that your look and feel? Is that your 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 sixth seventh sense? In a certain sense, uh, it's uh, uh, this affinity. It's it's not something that you really can create. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can do is you can open the door for for that that uh, that six seven sense to uh, that affinity to uh, to manifest itself. And 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 how we do that is usually by by really explaining what uh, what Russia is uh, is about and by. Uh, showing on one hand the, the 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 difficult sides, but also definitely showing the uh, the good sides. Uh, you can you can look at Russia as a country that is uh, dominated by uh, by mafia political interests. Uh, that's all about oil and gas. Uh, that's all about half a year winter uh, and so on. But you can also look at Russia as a as a country. That is um, very advanced in in in, in many uh, scientific areas. That has beautiful nature. Uh, that has uh, fantastic manifestations of of culture in dance, uh, ballet, opera, um, uh, and other expressive arts. Uh, you can look at Russia as a country that has uh, unmatched, unparalleled hospitality towards uh, towards towards foreigners. 
uh, once you get to know the Russian. So there, there are two ways of looking at it. And, and, and what we always try to do in the beginning is to show um, uh, the foreigner always directly these two sides. It's not all, it's not all black. It's not all white. Uh, you have to take to see the picture in its completeness. I appreciate the, the, the positive stance that you take on this one because indeed it's looking at the Russians. I think a lot of con- companies, a lot of companies, countries, people would say it's, it's cold, it's winter, it's corruption, and that's what it is. Uh, and the, the stores are empty, that, that, those kind of things. But I'm, mm. I'm very happy that you actually highlight some of the, uh, indeed of the beauty of, uh, of the country that no doubt any country offers and Russia would not be an exception to that. Um, it, it, just a question out of my own personal interest as well is because I get a lot of people that they come to me and they, when things have gone wrong, when it comes to um, if they need any any guidance or, or explanation about cultures, and they say, I thought dealing with the Indians, the Russians or the Brazilians was going to be easy, but it isn't. Help. Is that the same for you as well? Do companies come prior or after they have failed? Uh, usually they come when when they have already run a bloody nose uh, against the wall or against the door somewhere, unfortunately. And that's what, what, what we also try to do is to, to inform as soon as possible, even before people um, uh, go to Russia. We try to inform them about what Russia is, uh, is about. And because it's all, again, about making assumptions uh, about a foreign culture that you're not allowed to make. And, um, and and most companies do that and they think they, they, they can do business in Russia uh, or in your case, what you say, in China or in India mm-hmm. as they do it as they do it at home. Uh, and that's just, it's the wrong basis to uh, to start from. Yeah, yeah, true. What, why is it, and I've asked this a lot of guests as well, why is it that so many people slash companies, they brush over culture so, so quickly? It's like, yeah, this is a side product of doing business. What, any any idea why that is, uh, Jeroen? Well, it's we're naturally very ethnocentric. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, we have 17 million people. I think it took me half my life uh, to understand that the world doesn't revolve around the Netherlands, around these 17 million people. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm, when I was a kid, I thought that the basic language of the entire world was 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 the Dutch language, and everyone spoke some sort of dialect. It of could Dutch. have been at one one day in history, one time in history, it could have been. Yes, indeed, but indeed. But, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't uh, materialize in that uh, in that way, and maybe maybe luckily so, because uh-huh. the, the the distribution of Dutch language went. Uh, uh, alongside the distribution of, uh, of of a few other negative, uh, let's say, <laughs> side effects as well of, yeah. of, of Dutch international business, yeah. But um, but so uh, this this ethnocentrism is is the most important thing. You know, we we look at the world from our own standpoint and we think that that we are the center and the world revolves around us. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and and what I try to do, and it's also easiest because really, if you want to, I mean, you've been doing this work now for over twenty years, uh, you know, helping companies with uh, with with dealing or, or helping people and companies in dealing with with with, with cultural issues. Yeah. Um, uh, this means that it's 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 very difficult uh, matter. It's uh, it's not something that you can just understand by. Uh, by reading a book. Yes, I've been exactly. here in Russia for 22 years. I think I'm one of the top specialists on Russia that you can find uh, anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. 
but still I'm learning every day yep. still. I'm, and, and that's what, what keeps me here as well. Still every day I see something happening and I, and I understand that the knowledge I thought I had yesterday um, just became irrelevant uh, today and I need to adjust it again. Um, but but then I'm living here, so you can't really expect of uh, a businessman in, uh, in in the United States um, to spend years, but not even days, on studying uh, on studying Russia. The only thing you can expect uh, foreign business people to do, and that's 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 really rule number one that I always teach them, is say, okay, don't make assumptions. Yeah, yeah, indeed, it's. Um It's a it's it's a hard one to do indeed, and then yeah, still still people they make mistakes like yourselves after after twenty two years being in a foreign country. Yeah. it's uh, same same here as well. And I, I I'm only a Dutchman living in Belgium, which tends to be really close or is really close, mm -hmm. but uh, culturally quite different different absolutely different absolutely. as well. Jeroen, we've come somewhat to the end towards the end of this uh, interview of this podcast. And also with that comes the most difficult question. You thought your name was the difficult one, but it's not <laughs> the diff most difficult one. I always end this interview with uh, two final questions. And one of the final questions is, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent, possibly maybe in dealing with Russians or, or in dealing in Russia, but also general, I, you can also give general tips. Mm -hmm. And the other question? The other question is how people can get in touch with you. That's the easiest ah, okay, one. <laughs> okay. um, let's see, three tips. First of all, um, only deal with Russia if you, if you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. If you have an interest, if you think it's exciting, if you think it's an adventure, if you see more of the glass that is half full than the glass being, being, being half empty. Um, if you don't feel like that if you go to Russia with a certain sense of apprehension, with a certain sense of fear, uh, with a certain sense uh, of, of discomfort, then just don't uh, deal with Russia and, uh, and and look for another market uh, where you can work and, and you know, send a colleague uh, or someone else to, to Russia. So you need to enjoy uh, Russia. Yep. Second thing is that you really need to leave your uh, your own viewpoint behind um, but you don't need to fully stand in the shoes of uh, let's say uh, of the Russian that you're that you're dealing with so what I always explain is that you know in in it's it's as if in Europe we play soccer or football mm -hmm. and in Russia they play rugby mm -hmm. um, you cannot play rugby with, uh, with 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 soccer or football rules um, so you need to be very careful of uh, getting into that uh, that Russian uh, rugby game uh, and you need to leave your your, your understanding of, uh, of of your Western soccer game uh, or your football game uh, uh, behind. So really as this, as this, as the second tip um, that that's the one I'm going to borrow from you if I may uh, Jeroen. I really yeah. like the way you explained that in terms of you can't play soccer with rugby rules so you have to leave yeah. your own assumptions and your own viewpoints in the car if you want. Excellent, that's it. Excellently put. And then the the, the third tip uh, would be that um, make sure that you get introduced into into Russia. So find someone Find a foreigner or a Russian or uh, or anyone who can introduce you uh, to Russia, 
Um, I can give an example of many of uh, businesses that I meet. They go to Russia, they go to an oil and gas exhibition or a food ingredients exhibition or whatever. They have their business cards with them and they just think that, okay, you know, I start to network. Yes. Uh, in Russia, it doesn't work that way. You need to be introduced. So make sure that you, that you work from the first moment, actually even before you fly to Russia, you want to start building that uh, that network and make sure that you're introduced. And then your entry into Russia will be much smoother. It will be much quicker. And when you're inside a network, then you're inside this microcosmos or maybe you're inside of various microcosmoses cosmoses of various people. And then you get also the information uh, that, you, uh, that you need to get. Yeah. And then maybe the, the fourth tip is, you know, try to understand, try to accept what you are understanding, you know, and then, and then let it go. Don't judge. Because if you judge in Russia, then if you start to, uh, you know, attach, you know, value statements to what's going on in Russia, you will not be successful. So that's four tips instead of three. Excellent. I called it the bonus one. Excellent. The bonus one, yes. Perfect. Um, number three is make sure you get introduced to Russia. Business cards alone don't make it work. You can start before you leave. And no doubt you can help these people as well. With this, I, I understand, right? Yeah, for sure. So for sure. If people want that, if people want to get in touch with you, Jeroen, how do they do that? Well, first of all, they can contact you, and then uh, and then you can give them my contact details. Yes, I could. That's that. a, that's a very easy one. Uh -huh. um, but if you would, uh, if you Google uh, "Ketting Russia," you end up uh, on our uh, website www.thelighthousegroup.ru. That's a very long website. Uh, and there you can you have a contact form on the website, and you can uh, you can always contact uh, contact us. So we're very free with uh, with sharing information. Yeah, as you have been on this podcast as well, absolutely. Just want to repeat this: Google uh, Ketting Russia, and you spell Ketting with K E T T I N G. So Kilo Echo Tango Tango India November Golf, and then Russia. Google that. Throw that anywhere in the Google machine, and you'll get to the Lighthouse Group website where you can find a contact form. And if that doesn't work, you can get in touch with me and I'll pass on the details to Jeroen. Jeroen, it's been an excellent interview. Really appreciated this one. It's, um, it's the first time we have had somebody from Russia, from within deep Russia, almost, <laughs> uh, giving such a, a nice inside view and also a positive inside view of this, this enormous country that we, I, I guess, tend to know so little about. In, I mean, the inside. We know the outside. We know the winters. And that's sort of maybe where we stop and, and think as well. So thanks again very much for your time and sharing um, all the information with that. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll be in touch in the future. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Thanks again, Jeroen. I hope you enjoyed this interview about Russia in the, the, the deep east, almost. Not even the far east, but the deep east, if you want. Anyway, um, this is the end of the uh, 60th episode of the Culture Matters podcast. If you like what I do, I'd appreciate a couple of things. And one of those things is if you would head over to iTunes and rate this podcast, hopefully with a thumbs up and possibly with a note as well. Otherwise, what you could do is you could go to Facebook and find the Culture Matters page or you could go to facebook.com slash Culture Matters HQ, all one word, Culture Matters HQ, all in one word, and then click the like page, the like button, uh, which would appreciate, I would appreciate that as well. The more visibility, the better, of course. 
I'll be back in two weeks' time with another guest. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.